again, to use the diaper bag as a metaphor, there's like all this stuff that you put in and you think, oh, I, you know, found this beautiful, perfect bag and this is going to make my life complete and I'm going to look good and I'm going to be prepared. And then you're sort of like, wait a second, I have no idea. And then it takes a few months and you figure it out and then you're like, okay, I know what I need. I know who this person is and you can't control it, but you've accepted maybe that you can't control it at that point. And, and so you can lean in a little bit more. Hi, this is Danae. I'm the founder of Simple Families. Simple Families is an online community for parents who are seeking a simpler, more intentional life. In this show, we focus on minimalism with kids, positive parenting, family wellness, and decreasing the mental load. My perspectives are based in my firsthand experience raising kids, but also rooted in my PhD in child development. So you're going to hear conversations that are based in research, but more importantly, real life. Thanks for joining us. Hi there. Thanks so much for tuning in. Today, I have two guests for you, Nell Shapiro and Stephanie Merks. Nell and Stephanie are the founders of Kibu. Steph lives in the Netherlands and Nell lives right down the road from me here north of New York City. I actually share office space with Nell's husband, Dan, and when I found out that his wife owned a minimalist diaper bag company, I knew that we had to be friends. Not only do I love my kibu, but I've also enjoyed getting to know Nell and Steph and their story. Like so many others, they stumbled to find mom friends in the early days, and they found each other in a music class. And after many conversations about how much they needed a minimalist, simple diaper bag, they brought it to life. Today, they're sharing more about their story and more about what it's like to be a small business owner, especially in a pandemic. I enjoyed hearing about their journeys into motherhood and their journey into entrepreneurship. Without further ado, here's my chat with Nell and Steph. Hi, Nell. Hi, Stephanie. How are you? Hi. Good. How are you, Danae? I'm good. So tell me where you are in the world, Stephanie. I am actually in Amsterdam in the Netherlands. Ah, okay. And now I know you're right down the road from me in New York. Yes. Um, So tell me a little bit about how you met and came to be friends. Steph, you want to take it? Sure. Um, so Nell and I met, uh, at a baby music class in New York city when our oldest sons were six months old and we became fast friends. We, you know, went for lunches after the music class and we talked about all kinds of stuff, including Nell's idea for Kibu. And so that's kind of how our partnership and friendship flourished. So Nell, when did you have this idea? So right around that time, probably when Theo, who's now almost seven, was six months old, I was walking everywhere. I loved to keep him in the carrier. And I just found that traditional diaper bags were always getting in the way. They were incredibly cumbersome. And I just felt like I was always packing tons of stuff in there, but I never actually knew if I had what I needed and I could never find what I needed. And I searched high and low for something that was compact, but still had all the functionality of a diaper bag because I really liked the changing pad, for example, and I liked having a set place for my wipes. And so I just went online and looked for a fanny pack that had, that was a diaper bag and, um, and there was nothing and I couldn't believe it. And I kept looking and looking and I felt like I got to the end of the internet and didn't find anything. And so I started daydreaming about this idea and, um, 
yeah. And then kind of quietly shared it with a few friends and they were all really enthusiastic. And so I was like, maybe I have something here, but I did nothing about it for a couple of years. And where did you come in stuff? What's your background? So I am a graphic designer. Um, my husband and I have our own graphic design studio and we specialize in branding. So uh, I think the way that we kind of started working together was that Nell had this idea and I absolutely loved it because I myself loved things that were minimal. Um, I hated all the bulk of all the baby stuff. I always wanted to find kind of the stylish, smallest way of carrying all my things with me. So when she told me about this idea, I was like, this is literally exactly what I want. Um, and I was like, you're having the most amazing idea. Let's, let's work on it together. And, um, and so Nell wanted me to come in so that I could work on the branding with her. Um, and then we kind of, you know, the more that we talked about it, I think we decided that we were going to partner and actually work on making it a reality together. That's so awesome. So is Kibu in Europe yet? Um, so we are in a store here in the Netherlands, uh, and I'm work actively working on getting us into more stores here and maybe attending trade shows and trying to start spreading the word through Europe. Cause I think it would, it would kill here and everyone who's seen it has agreed. So, um, it's just about getting it into the right hands. Yeah. So I'm particularly interested about your interest in minimalism. Are you, do you consider yourselves messy by nature? or tidier? Interesting. Um, so I certainly don't consider myself a minimalist. Like I would never describe myself that way. But as we have developed our product and sort of the way of life around our product, the, that's where we've kind of come to this notion of deliberate minimalism, which, you know, is somewhat redundant, but the idea essentially just being like everything is intentional. And so by having less stuff and having a space that is intentionally designed just for the things that you need when you're out and about, that you can be more focused and more present. And clearly that relates to the ideals of minimalism. But as I look around my house, I mean, I have a big record collection that I'm staring at right now, for example. Um, and, you know, while I'd like to have less things in my wardrobe and I rent clothes instead of buying them now, um, I think it's something that I, is, I'm actively working on, um, which is why I'm so inspired by Simple Families, because you have a lot of really actionable tips that we've put into practice in our, in our playroom, for example. Um, but am I messy or tidy by nature? Mm, I think my husband would say I like piles. So probably I <laughs> tend to the messier end of things. What about you, Steph? Um, I think I'm exactly like you. I would never describe myself as a minimalist, and my husband would probably agree with that. But I love the ideals of minimalism, and I love exactly what Nell was saying, was the idea of being very deliberate with what I bring with me. Um, I always strive to have the smallest of things. Like I just always loved like a small stroller, a small bag. Um, I always just want to take with me exactly what I need. Like I don't want to have any extra stuff with me. And so I think in that respect, uh, minimalism definitely speaks to me. But if you look at my house again, like, or my desktop, <laughs> I'm definitely not a minimalist. Well, my partner doesn't consider me a minimalist either, if that helps. <laughs> really? I think it's just, 
No. Well, I mean, he definitely makes sort of snide comments sometimes about like, I thought we were minimalists. Like if I buy something and he feels like I didn't put a ton of thought into it, which happens. I mean, I think it's a journey, right? Like it's just this practice that we're all working towards and I don't think we're ever really there. And, you know, I think about right now, the way that my bag looks, I have a pretty big bag that I bring in every day to work and it is a pit. Like it just accumulates <laughs> stuff because it's big. And I know that about myself. Like I know that I cannot manage a bag that is large because it gets, it's basically turns into a big trash can. Sounds so like you need a Kibu. I, I have a Kibu and oh, I love well, it. Great. It doesn't hold my laptop, unfortunately. Oh yeah. <laughs> but I have, well, so I have long been a fanny pack fan. Um, a fanny pack fan. And I know that I have a lot of listeners in Australia and in Europe that really don't like the expression fanny pack and would prefer if I called it a hip pack um, because fanny means other things in other parts of the world. Yeah. So I have long loved a good hip pack and I actually had one for a long time. Um, And before I got my Kibu and yeah, the Kibu has changed my life, especially when it comes to travel. So I usually travel with a backpack and then I have my Kibu around my waist for my phone and my wallet and my license and all my essentials. So it has, it's, it's, it's great. And I'm so glad that you've modernized the hip pack and made it a little more attractive and useful. Thank you. It's really most typically the city life and, and, you know, urban life where you're on the go all the time that it just doesn't make sense to be weighed down by so many things. And especially for parents, you know, it takes a few months. I mean, we always say like new moms feel comforted by having everything but the kitchen sink with them because they're not sure what they're going to need. And so like you were saying before, it is a process, like that notion of do I really need all of these things? You kind of have to come to a certain level of confidence. And so when you've kind of gotten to that point. I think it's so liberating to be able to say, okay, I know exactly what I need and it can fit in this small bag that's just not going to get in my way. And I think that kind of, you know, coming back to your idea about minimalism being sort of this journey and learning process, I think that's that's the same way with the things that we carry and the way we approach life. And it's it takes time to figure out how to be present as a parent. You, you don't know it right away. You can't, I mean, no matter how many books you read about mindful parenting, it just, you have to kind of go through that process yourself. And, and so we're happy to be people's, you know, second bag, you know, when they don't need their laptop or they don't need six changes of clothes and four swaddle blankets and all of those other things. Right. And I think that, that those first, I very clearly remember those first days out after becoming a new mom and how long it took us to get out the door. I mean, I don't know, an hour, hour and a half just to make sure that I had packed all the things. And now I think you're right that we find comfort in having all the stuff to think that we can prevent all of the chaos and prevent any kind of mess or catastrophe or, or fussiness that might arise. And that having that stuff makes us feel more in control. Absolutely. It's definitely a control thing. And I think when you realize you only have so much control, then you're able to let go a little bit and it is really liberating. Yeah, absolutely. And I also think about having that small container 
is that's, that's a philosophy or that's an idea that I apply across the board with my stuff, right? Cause if I have, if I'm wearing my Kibu, I can only bring a handful of things, the necessities. If I have my big bag with me, I have all of the existing garbage and stuff that's already in there along with my necessities, which I can no longer find because they are now sunk into the bottom of the big bag. But I often, whether it's our house or the size of the toy box or the size of our purse, we think that if it gets full, we just need to go bigger. And I think that's a mistake that a lot of us make. Did you find yourselves making that mistake in new motherhood at all? I definitely make that mistake all the time with the toys. That's It's really hard to think about throwing or giving away toys or getting rid of them instead of just being like, let's find another way to organize all the toys. <laughs> yeah. Let's find, let's get another, another trip to Ikea. Yeah. You know, and that's similar to living in an apartment. You know, when we lived in the city, we moved out of the city three years ago, but when we were living in a city, our apartment was that container, right? And so we were much more selective and we had one sort of organizer for the toys, for example, on that topic. And once we outgrew that space, then it was time to give away things. And it's very easy in a house to use sort of that metaphor from small bag to big bag, apartment to house, to then have this space and say, well, now we don't have to make those choices. And ultimately, it just adds stress. I think it just like, you know, this morning I spent an hour going through a pile of things that I don't think would have ever accumulated in a smaller space. And so for sure, I think as a, as a first time parent, I think my, you know, big crossbody diaper bag was full of things. And if I had the stroller, the bottom of the stroller was also full of things. And so infrequently did I need any of those things that those moments where I needed something were actually much more stressful um, mm -hmm. because it was a, where's the pacifier? I can't find it. Do I even have one? You know, the baby's crying and and you're trying everything you can um, and you don't even have an arm to pick them up because the bag is in the way. And it, I think it's, you know, when you first think about it, it seems counterintuitive, but it's actually much less stressful to just have a few things and feel comfortable that you know exactly where the things are that you need. And I know, Danae, in the past, I've, I've heard you talk about the size of containers and whether that's a memory box or, you know, even a closet, right? Like that is, it's helpful because it's a, it's all, it's a visual cue as well. And so it helps you to kind of go through that process more regularly. Yeah. We do it with our laundry basket too which is, has been a huge game changer, right? We have this one small to medium size hamper and when it's full, then we need to do a load of laundry. And usually that's every day. And that is that visual cue. And I need that visual cue because otherwise it's just not on my radar to do it. And if I have a gigantic hamper, I will have a gigantic pile of laundry. I will just fill it to the brim. So I think, yeah, some of us need those real parameters in life in order to serve as reminders for us too. And can I ask, you don't mind doing the laundry every day? I love doing the laundry every day because it's one thing that I actually feel like 
I can finish. Like, it's just nice to be able to check that box and it is done. Like I go to bed every night and I'm like, I don't have laundry to do. I mean, I have plenty of other things, but (laughs) it's nice just to know that there's not that accumulating pile that's creeping up on me that I'm procrastinating because I procrastinate plenty of other things. So feeling like I'm actually like winning at one aspect is really helpful. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Totally. That makes sense to me for sure. And, and to get to check something off a to-do list is also like one of the most satisfying things in life. Right. So, right. Yeah. I feel the same about dishes, right? If I can have the dishes all done at the end of the day and the kitchen is cleaned up and the laundry is done, like I'm, I'm winning. I'm, I'm doing something right. Right. Even if a lot of other things had gone wrong over the course of the day, at least there was something that I could finish and feel like I have accomplished, which something within my control because so much in parenthood is outside of our control. We're going to pause for a three minute word from today's sponsors. Our first sponsor today is Ana Luisa. Ana Luisa jewelry is made for you and the planet in mind. They're hundred percent water and carbon neutral. Moving into spring, I'm especially loving the Hannah Sunset earrings that I have. Ana Luisa, that's A-N-A-L-U-I-S-A, has timeless jewelry for any occasion. And the best part is that it starts at $39. Their pieces are perfect for anybody on your list. A friend, a partner, a sister-in-law, or of course with Mother's Day on the horizon, your mom. So go treat yourself and your loved ones. Use my code SIMPLEFAMILIES to get 10% off. I've loved my pieces and I think they're a great brand. And I appreciate that they're making beautiful, sustainable jewelry. So go check out shop.analuisa.com slash simplefamilies and use the code simplefamilies. That's shop.analuisa.com slash simplefamilies and use the code simplefamilies. Our second sponsor is Green Chef. Green Chef is a meal kit company. They make eating well easy with plans to fit every lifestyle, whether you're keto, paleo, vegan, vegetarian, gluten-free, or maybe just looking to eat more balanced meals. With the fresh produce, premium proteins, and organic ingredients you can trust, Green Chef is the number one meal kit for eating well. My favorite part is that Green Chef makes cooking easy, so you can spend less time planning and stressing about what you're going to cook or if you have all the things you need to cook it. The photos and easy-to-read instructions made it possible for even my 8-year-old to help. So go to greenchef.com simple130 and use the code SIMPLE130 to get $130 off, plus free shipping. Again, go to greenchef.com SIMPLE130 and use the code SIMPLE130 to get $130 off, plus free shipping. If you're looking for simple, healthy, restaurant-quality meals, make sure you check out Green Chef. Our third sponsor is Indeed. Right now, hiring is challenging. It's time for a hiring partner that can help you rise to the challenge, and that's Indeed. Instead of spending multiple hours on multiple job sites, hoping to find the right candidates with the right skills, you need one powerful hiring partner that can help you to do it all. What I love is that Indeed is simple. It helps you with every step of the hiring process. You can find great talent through time-saving tools like their Indeed Instant Match assessments and virtual interviews. So start hiring right now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at indeed.com slash families. That offer is valid through April 30th. Go to indeed.com slash families to claim your $75 credit before April 30th. Indeed.com slash families. 
Terms and conditions apply. If you need to hire, then you need Indeed. Thanks so much for supporting our sponsors. They help to keep this show in business. Back to today's episode. Tell me about some of the biggest surprises that you had moving into motherhood. What were you not expecting? That's a great question. Um, Steph, do you have anything that comes to mind first? Because I, I mean, I feel like there's a million things. Yeah. I mean, that's my, I'm trying to rack my brain thinking about which one I should talk about. Um, I mean, everything, things were, first of all, postpartum was just so much harder than I ever expected. Um, I think, you know, the rush of hormones and the, the actual pain you, you go through is, is really difficult and no one really talks about it. Uh, so that was surprising for me. Uh, and I also think like the lack of control, you know, I always was someone who was very in control of everything. Everything was planned. Um, and then I had this baby that I couldn't control and I did all the, all the things right. And I read all the books and, you know, things were still not going the way that I had planned. So I think, you know, realizing that you just don't have control and you're at the whim of another human, right? Like you can't control somebody else, even if they are your child. And that, that was a big learning curve for me that I'm still actually seven years in trying to manage the control aspect. (laughs) Right. I think we all are. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I think too, in, in that same period of time, the, there's a loneliness, you know, and it's, and it's not constant, but it wasn't something I anticipated at all because I was like, oh my gosh, I'm going to have a baby that I can just love all the time and snuggle and, you know, dote on. And I think a lot of it is hormonal um, for sure. I mean, I had postpartum anxiety and depression with both of my kids, but I didn't recognize it as such. But again, I lived in a neighborhood where people were always walking around. It's a city. So you have playgrounds nearby and lots of new parents walking around with their kids. And so from the outside, before I had Theo, I thought, this is perfect. I'll never be alone. I'll literally always be with people. And I love meeting new people and I'll have this baby and we'll do all these things together. And I had taken a year off of work. And I found myself really craving the structure of work and feeling like even though I was with all these people, I was still very alone. And I think it was just settling into this new notion of, um, you know, what it means to be a mother and to be establishing this amazing bond, but that bond not happening immediately. And I think my expectation was that, I was immediately going to feel so connected to this human being who had lived inside of me for nine months. And I didn't. Um, And I think that that's where some of that loneliness stemmed from. And it just took time to build meaningful friendships with other moms and families and to feel truly connected to my son. And I think we always think of like that six month mark as being a point where things started to change. The baby's more responsive. You kind of have your bearings a little bit, but for sure, I think, you know, again, to use the diaper bag as a metaphor, there's like all this stuff that you put in and you think, oh, I, you know, found this beautiful, perfect bag and this is going to make my life complete and I'm going to look good and I'm going to be prepared. And then you're sort of like, wait a second, I have no idea. And then it takes a few months and you figure it out. And then you're like, okay, I know what I need. I know who this person is and you can't control it, but you've accepted maybe that you can't control it at that point. And, and so you can lean in a little bit more. 
So tell me a little bit where work came into this. Did you have a choice whether to go back to work or was that something that you knew you were going to do? Yeah. So for me, um, and I know Steph's story is a little bit different, but I had been uh, a school teacher for 11 years and I, my, my most recent job had actually been with, uh, early childhood. So I was a preschool teacher and my school was over an hour away by, you know, by subway and public transportation. And so I knew that that wasn't realistic, that my day would be too long and I would be away from my own baby and it just wasn't going to feel good. I wasn't going to be able to give it a hundred percent. So I decided to take a break and had some consulting work that I was going to be doing, but I didn't anticipate wanting that outlet for, you know, intellectual stimulation as much as I did. And I'm very early on. I mean, I think Theo was like, maybe not even a month or two. I was already throwing myself back into that consulting work. I mean, I think I got paid $5,000 for the year for the work that I was doing. I mean, it was supposed to be a really small scope of work. And I was working like every day because I loved the work that I was doing. And I, and I just really wanted to put my brain into something. Um, so I had the option to stay home. Ultimately, later that year, I took another consulting client. And then I decided that I was going to go back to work three quarters time. And I became a director of a small school nearby in our neighborhood, which was amazing. And I loved that job and I loved that school and it was a perfect opportunity for me. Um, and as I said earlier, you know, I didn't start working on Kibu until maybe a year and a half after I first had that idea. So then it became a nights and weekends thing that I was working on all the time. And when Steph joined me, it was like when we had crossover time off, we would go out for lunch and sit at a diner and do work, or we would meet at one of our apartments and do work. And it became this huge passion project, I think, for both of us um, before it turned into a full-fledged business. It took us about two years to, de to develop the product and the business and the brand and everything. Um, and so at that point, you know, I, I was very certain that that's what I wanted for myself and that that was what felt good to me um, and allowed me to be, I think, a better mom to my children. At that point, I had two kids because I just felt like I needed to be applying myself outside of the house. I mean, I think being a stay-at-home mom is the hardest job in the entire world, and I don't think that my personality is set up for it. Um, so it was, it was great for me. Yeah. And for me, um, when my oldest son was born... I was able to take some time off. I worked for myself. So I, ha I was a freelance designer at that time. And so I was able to take some time off, which was great because he had a lot of feeding issues. He was, you know, kind of difficult at the beginning. Um, and it took me a while to kind of get my bearings. So I was able to take a few months off with him. Um, and then by the time that my daughter was born three years later, my graphic design business, you know, had really boomed and I was working round the clock and I actually took zero time off when my second one was born. I remember getting home from the hospital uh, with her and like immediately sitting at my computer and like answering emails and like getting files out that clients were asking for. So it was like completely the opposite experience. Um, and, you know, people were like, why don't you just take time off? And I'm like, you know, when you have your own business, you just there is no time off. People are still asking you for things. You still have to answer emails. You're kind of at the whim of your clients, especially when you're in client services like that. 
Um, and then, you know, when I started working on Kivu, um, I essentially ramped up work even more. <laughs> and I, you know, for the past few years have basically been working almost two full-time jobs um, while having, you know, two kids at home. And, you know, I, I wouldn't trade it because it's been, it's been wonderful. Like I, I treat my work as my third child basically. And I, I love it and it makes me happy and, and yeah, it's, it's great. Like I, I also love having, like Nell was saying, some interactions outside of being a mom. And I like that people come to me um, to ask for my opinion about things and, you know, like to hear my take on things and, and that I have some control over, over my work life. I just think, I just think it's really, really important to have another identity. Yeah. I, I have to give a nod to, to social media because I think what's been interesting, I was far less active on Instagram or really any social media platform before we started Kibu. And it's, you know, it's just essential to business that you kind of have your finger on the pulse and that you have an Instagram profile. And one thing that I've noticed that I think is a really positive thing that has changed in the last seven years since since Steph and I had our first boys um, is that I think, you know, the conversation around so many of these things ha has become more open. There are so many great podcasts and accounts, groups for moms um, that really allow you to kind of face the realities and recognize that all of these feelings are normal and whatever they are, they're shared with other people. And it's normalized a lot of, I think, what felt isolating or taboo. And I think that's a really positive thing. And, and by that same token, a lot of messaging out there about the importance of the time that you take as a mom and not seeing that as a gap in your resume, but a value add and, you know, how many skills you gain as a mom that are applicable in the work world. And, and also the value of, you know, maybe if it was now, Steph would have put up an away message for a few weeks after having Nico and saying like, I'm on maternity leave, even though it's her own business. But I, I feel like even three years ago, those pressures were different. And the public conversation was different. So I do feel like social media has had a really positive impact on, on a lot of the conversations that we as moms felt like, you know, we're not going to talk about miscarriage. We're not going to talk about, you know, feeling isolated or disconnected from our children or whatever those things might be. And, and we're going to see it as a deficit that we've taken time to be home and be with our kids. And, and so I have a lot of appreciation for people who have really committed themselves to opening that conversation for all of us. Yeah, I agree. And I've been feeling really negative about social media in the past few months. So I like hearing it from that perspective because you're right. I do think that for many of us, we spend a lot of time each day, each week on those platforms and that messaging really impacts us. And when we can find people that we identify with and that make us feel good, then those messages can really lift us up. And then kind of on the reverse too, right? When we find people with messaging and with pictures that we don't feel good or we feel anxious viewing, then we have to be more intentional about, you know, shutting that down. Like this isn't for me. This isn't what I need right now. And when we can weed through that, I do think it can be very empowering. I think that's a really good point. You know, again, this philosophy of ours of deliberate minimalism we 
I think have taken it and sort of started applying it across areas of our lives, you know, beyond our bag to just kind of day-to-day life. And you're absolutely right. I I have a close friend who's a researcher at Harvard. Um, Dr. Emily Weinstein is her name. And her research is all about the impact on, of social media on adolescents specifically, but sort of broadly, the conclusion is social media isn't all good or all bad. It is how you interact with it and the way, you know, in which you make decisions, intentional decisions about how you participate in it. And when you're a parent of adolescents, obviously figuring out the the way to do that as a parent in support of your children. But, you know, choosing not to follow those accounts and to take them off of your feed and actively seek out things that make you feel good and tuning into what makes you feel good. And, and, pruning the rest and, you know, not engaging with it and recognizing how it makes you feel. And I think you're so right. It, it can be such a toxic thing to consume. Um, and I think we've been lucky with Kibu to, to connect with a lot of, you know, groups and, and individuals and, and people like you who have so much positive messaging and, and sort of supportive ideas to offer. And that, I mean, that makes the whole difference. Oh, thank you. And I love that. Um, I'm curious about what it was like to be a brand and have a product in the pandemic with supply chain issues and how did that, that stress and those things impact you all? Good question. (laughs) So, you know, I think there have been a ton of surprises for us from the very beginning. Um, you know, one thing to know about us is that we entirely bootstrapped our business. So we launched on Kickstarter in 2019 to make sure that people actually wanted our product. And then we um, raised enough funds to pay for our first inventory run. So we never had to take out a loan or um, any investors. And so that ties into this question because you know, there's, there's a flow, there's a cash flow, right? So you have money and as people buy things, you build up more money in the bank. And then when you have enough money in the bank, you can spend that money on more inventory to, to, you know, sell more product. And that's sort of the way that we always operated, you know, and then extra funds went to pay for advertising or, you know, whatever other spends we might have. And, so we kind of always counted on that rhythm of the business. And when we got into, you know, sourcing different materials and, and making certain changes, we were kind of on this path to launching new colors every year and launching new styles. And then things started slowing down with production and with factories and with shipping. And so across the board, there were delays everywhere. And it kind of all built up in this snowball effect across really 2021 for us was even more challenging than 2020 um, because in 2020, we were just growing. But in 2021, by August, we were almost entirely sold out of product and we had inventory sitting in the port of Los Angeles. And it sat there for almost three months because wow. the backup of the containers and the machines that lift the containers off of the ship and put them onto the port and then get unloaded. I mean, I can't tell you how much we learned about the supply chain process, but it was 
not enough containers because those containers were delayed. So people couldn't at, you know, couldn't put things into new containers. And then there weren't enough people to work in the ports or there would be a COVID outbreak. So we were sold out for a good two and a half months and that stung. Um, but what that has meant is we just found creative ways to save money, to put that money into more inventory. So now we just have a lot more inventory, which unfortunately means it's harder to do something like launch a new color because we have so much inventory in our old colors. Um, but we're figuring it out and, you know, it's, it's all a balance and we'd rather have too many bags than not enough bags. And, um, you know, going into this year, what that's meant for us is, you know, we're, we're making all kinds of decisions about new materials becoming even more sustainable and more eco-friendly and new colors and, you know, even better materials. And it's just a process that takes time and, um, you know, things are more expensive now. So that's a stressor for sure. Um, and I think, you know, beyond supply chain, the challenge for a product like ours, where we know that parents love to talk about their favorite products and show each other what they use for the first year and a half that we were in the market, people weren't really out and about with their kids. So nobody was saying like, oh yeah, this is my Kivu. This is what a Kivu does. And this is the functionality. And um, so that kind of organic word of mouth has only just started. That being said, I mean, I think we count ourselves incredibly lucky and feel very grateful that we had the beginning of the pandemic to really be with our families and our business was pretty slow at that time, but we didn't have anything to compare it to because we really launched two months before the pandemic. So um, while it has been stressful for sure, um, we kind of don't know any different. And so as we continue to grow, we're just feeling so much gratitude for the growth that we've experienced. And yeah, I think it's, um, we're, we're very lucky in that way because so many brands have, have hit real challenges with the increased cost and just scarcity of materials and, you know, a lot of places being closed that would otherwise be selling their goods. Mm -hmm. So I'm thinking about how, as a consumer, our expectations on small business is I don't feel like it's often reasonable. So if I go onto a website and I see it's completely sold out, I'm kind of like, what is wrong? Like, why is this sold out? Like, why is it going to take so long? I feel impatient. I want all of the color options to be in stock. Um, I essentially want like the availability of like Macy's from a small brand. So I'm thinking about what would you like people to know about being on the other side? Like, how can you encourage us to be patient and to wait for and to, um, I don't know, maybe give small businesses a little more credit on in situations like, you know, if the shipping takes too long or if the zipper is faulty? What has been your experience with that? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's really important for people to keep in mind, especially for small, when working or buying things from small businesses, like they're humans on the other side of the of the computer, you know? And if you're writing an angry email about exactly what you're talking about, like this is sold out, like why, how is this possible? Why is my bag, you know, people can be so rude when writing and they don't realize like it, it could just be, you know, two moms like Nell and I who are trying to balance everything, like our own lives as well, and also keeping the business afloat. And, um, you know, I just think, I think people need to remember the humanity 
behind it because people are so used to buying from Amazon and Macy's and all those places and not that they don't have humans behind the computers as well. But I think we expect a certain level of customer service that, you know, people are just spoiled these days. And and it's good for people to remember that um, there is a price to pay for buying from a small business and that and not not in a bad way, but just in the sense of being more patient and getting getting something that was made by people and that there's a story behind it and that there are founders. And, and yeah, that's that's what I think. <laughs> I think also, you know we try to approach every customer as if they are our friend. You know, if we get an email from someone who's looking for their package, it hasn't arrived yet, or they they have an issue with a zipper, for example, like you said, we, we really try to write and communicate with people as if they were one of our friends. And that's not always the way that people respond back to us, but I think that they appreciate that. And I think it helps to humanize it. Um, It can be very easy to just be transactional. Okay. Well, I ordered something, it should be here. And certainly being a small business owner has humbled me and reminded me whenever I need to exchange something or return something, I always write to the other person now as if they are my friend running that business. And so, I I mean, I guess the advice I would give is like, if somebody is feeling frustrated with a small business for whatever reason, you know, there's a delay in the product. I think two things. One, try to pause and imagine if that was one of your friends running that business. And two, um, recognize that we as the business also want you to have what we're selling to you and we want you to be as happy as you can be. And we also want UPS or USPS or FedEx to get your product to you as quickly as possible. And they do too, but it's just out of our control. To come back to that control issue, you know, I think it's a struggle for all of us. And certainly a lot of the pandemic has been about recognizing how little we have control over and that applies to our business as well. And I think you know, we have an amazing customer service assistant, Chelsea, whose sole focus is just to try to make sure that people are as happy as they can be. And if they're not, we'll do pretty much whatever we can to make sure that you're satisfied. Um, But I think Steph's right. There's an element of uh, anonymity behind a screen. And so it can be very easy to forget that like when you make a snarky comment on Instagram, we see it and we feel it. And um, that's okay. Like, you know, that's just people expressing themselves. Maybe they're having a bad day, but there is a person on the other side of it for sure. Yeah, I have felt that too. And I think that in the past two years, we have had a lot of bad days, all of us, right? And we've, our stress levels have been so high that I think that has impacted all the people that we engage with in all of our relationships. And I know that I am guilty of taking my overflowing cup of stress to, you know, a store and being disappointed in something and probably channeling some of my frustrations, uh, other stuff onto someone who doesn't necessarily see it coming or (laughs) doesn't necessarily (laughs) deserve it. And that, I, I mean, I think that, I mean, I get emails too about people complaining about things that are out of my control or things that just seem silly to me, but I think we're, in the past couple of years, and I mean, even still now, people, the stress levels are so high that it's it's hard to be in an industry where you're interacting with people that don't see your face 
necessarily and don't know if you're actually reading the comments and the emails. And I think especially with small businesses like yours, you have a beautiful website. You know, you go on to kibu.com or kibubag.com, right? Kibubag.com. And it looks just like a, you know, a big brand. It looks just like a big department store website. And it's hard to differentiate the fact that, hey, like this is two moms like running this, you know? So I think as a consumer, we do have to check ourselves and realize that sometimes we have to change our expectations. And there is, there is great benefit from patronizing smaller businesses that are going to bring us products that are special and um, that support other, other people like us who are carving out a career that we're really passionate about. Absolutely. And I think it's also been surprising to find out how many of the big brands in at, at least the brands that I perceive as big in my life are actually run by very small teams. Like yeah. the one recently that came um that came on our radar and now they're actually for sale on our website is Supergoop. That brand of sunscreen is um kind of everywhere in my life. I feel like it just pops up all the time, but they're a super lean team. They're really small and they've been lovely to work with because they are a small team and it feels very familiar. But in my mind, before I knew them, they were this massive brand. And so, and I think a lot of brands are like that, especially in the baby and maternity space. Um, And, you know, I think on our end, remembering that if we're talking with a new mom, the stresses at home are so significant that when she is sounding frustrated in her email with us, we also in return have to extend that generosity to understand that it's a crazy time of life to be in. Yeah, absolutely. And I I feel a lot of that too with simple families. I guess, you know, my audience is people who need to simplify and need to lighten their load. So naturally they're coming to me with a heavy load and a lot of stress. So I always try to be mindful of that when I get the less than less than kind emails. But I think it helps that those are always balanced out by an abundance of people who are really wonderful and kind and warm. And that's a really good point too. I think not underestimating the impact that your positive feedback will give to a brand or an Instagram, you know, influencer or podcast any email that we get that is, you know, showing gratitude for anything, whether it's our product or our customer service or any review, we read it and it really, truly makes a difference. And so Mm -hmm. I have also tried to do that as a customer to just express gratitude or admiration for what a brand is bringing to the table or what their product is, because I assume somebody's on the other end reading that and feeling proud or feeling grateful to, to receive that. Yeah. You know, I've noticed that same phenomena with my kids and that when I hear like one of my kids' teachers say something nice about my kid, that I really value that. And I I don't take it for granted. I feel like, you know, especially the past couple of years, like being a parent has been hard. And when you hear something really praiseful and kind about your kids, something that they did at school, it feels really good as a parent. And I've been trying to kind of pick up on that. And when I see other kids, like my, my kids, friends do something really great. I try to always tell their parents like, Oh, I saw your kid do this today. Or I, you know, and it just, I'm, that's something that I'm trying to do more of in my real life because it does make a difference as a mom to hear those things from other adults about my kids. Absolutely. 
similarly, I have a friend who always is like, she so often is like, oh, you're doing such a great job. Like you're such a great mom. Like your kids are great. Things like that. And it, it does. It makes you feel so good that someone goes out of their way to say something like that to you. And so it's, a, it's always a really good reminder that I have to, even though I think all of my mom friends are wonderful moms and they're great, I don't take the time to really remind them of that because, you know, everyone always doubts themselves. And I think you can get a lot of, you know, positive feelings from your friends validating what a good job you're doing. Yeah. And reminders for sure. I also think it's uh, really interesting when we do give that praise or, you know, tell somebody we think they're doing a great job or compliment their child. So often the instinct of the person receiving that praise or compliment is to downplay it. And I have tried to stop myself from doing that and just say thank you, as opposed to kind of like creating some caveat or some explanation. If one of my kids does something that somebody wants to praise, I feel proud and then kind of need to stop myself from saying something else. And I've noticed so many other moms do that too. You know, I'll say, oh, Harry was so polite and, you know, he was really encouraging Theo on his first day of lacrosse, for example. (laughs) And, you know, the mom, I think, feels a little um, humbled or, or, you know, Mm -hmm. a little modest about it and therefore wants to say something back to kind of like explain away why her child is so polite. It's like, no, he's just a great kid, you know? So it's, I think we all need to practice kind of just accepting the compliments we get. Yeah, absolutely. Giving more and accepting them more too. Well, thank you all so much for chatting with me today. It's been great getting to know you better. Where can we find you online? You can find us on Instagram at Kibu Bag. That's K-I-B-O-U-B-A-G. Kibu comes from the phrase keep it by you. And we think that helps people to remember how to say it and spell it. And um, we are also on Facebook and at KibuBag.com. Well, thank you. Thank you. you. It was great to talk. Thanks so much for tuning in. I hope you've enjoyed my chat with Nell and Steph. If you want to learn more about them, you can find those links in the show notes at simplefamilies.com forward slash episode 305. Thanks for being here and have a good one.